build bridges. You know, my big thing is fuck Trump and his ridiculous uh, monument to his tiny penis. I just I have so much vitriol for that person. I I I'm a build I'm a bridge builder, not a wall builder. Tear down the walls. You know, I just I don't under I don't I don't want to be that kind of human that is being obstructive to other humans' paths. That was Dino Medardo Rosso, the founder of Lingo. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from teachers, artists, doctors, and other San Franciscans telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to get to the heart of what makes this city so special. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 19, Part 1. Dino grew up in Western Massachusetts. He studied 16 languages and speaks five or six, depending. He moved to San Francisco about a decade ago, giving bicycle tours and then eventually getting a job teaching high school. In this podcast, he shares the story of a restaurant owner who approached Dino with the goal of bridging a language barrier between her front-of-the-house staff and the kitchen workers. This was the idea that birthed Dino's business, Lingo. Here's Dino. What is Medardo? I know know Rosso, but... Uh, Medardo Rosso um, was a famous, well, depending on who you ask, 18th century Italian sculptor. Also the street that I lived on. That's where I picked it from. So it's my it's my nom de plume, my stage name. Um, my you know my my given name. It's it's nice. It's very uh, Anglo, and it has to do with my story actually. Um, when I first started marketing myself as uh, a Spanish teacher, ain't nobody trying to take Spanish classes from someone with the last name Woodbury, which is my last name, right? Like, nope, not going to do it. So I, it's one of those things where I just, time and again, I was finding I wasn't getting in hits. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to use the name that I was going by in Italy. And then it kind of, I don't know, it's bizarre. People want authenticity. And I've, I've been speaking Spanish since I was five. I mean, I'm, I sound like a native speaker. So, but when there's a real cognitive dissonance that happens when people look at my face and the words that come out don't match up with what you usually hear. And I get it every single day. All day, it happens, and you know, and, and I get it. I totally get it. Um, I'm not mad about it, but yeah. So we should be able to name ourselves, though. Whatever you want, you want. know. Yeah. When I was in college, one of my um, one of my my RD, my resident director, uh, she actually gave me a really insightful, impactful uh, piece of advice, which was, you we get to choose what we want to call ourselves, you know. So it kind of stuck. I've been obsessed lately. This is quick sidetrack with nicknames. Because I'm in my mid forties mm. and I'm like, I never really had a nickname. Oh, but I love it when people have fucking. If you nicknames. live in Latin America, you will get a nickname. You may not like it, but you'll get one. I don't care if I. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't give. <laughs> slap it on me. I don't care. What? Uh, what? Uh, what it's a, a big thing that um, uh, Latin Americans do is they'll find the most salient feature about you. Right. Your nose, your beard, your glasses, your hat, your backpack. Mm-hmm. I have a coworker. I call her Mochila because mm-hmm. she just wears a backpack all the time. Um. <laughs> I use I get called beard. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's hey, gordo, what's right. up, fatty? <laughs> <laughs> Never fly here. <laughs> yeah, because well, that's the thing with like parents naming you is like they name you what they want and it has before. No, yeah, they know it's, nothing yeah. about you. I mean, it's not like you're not going to name At your all. kid though. Like, just sure. it's patient X Y Z until they decide. <laughs> I mean, you have to give your kid a name. Well, I grew up in in Western Mass. Um, 
uh, when I graduated Northam- college. Northampton? Uh, near there, yeah. The lesbian capital of the world. Saw a lot of Subarus. Super Outbacks. Um, but when I graduated college, UMass Amherst, um, I wanted to move abroad. I had already lived in Argentina for a little bit um, and studied abroad in England. So, you know, I'd been bitten by the travel bug or whatever. Um, so... Um, me and one of my gal pals were going to move to Barcelona. And then before I did that, uh, another friend had invited me to like swing by uh, a friend's parents uh, in Milan, Italy. Um, and I was like, sure, cool. And I ended up meeting a dude um, and was like, I'm going to make a horrible decision on purpose. And I did. And I moved in with him. And I, we were together for a year. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up staying there. And then I just kept, uh, when I when we broke up, I just, I got different types of work. Like, I was a bicycle tour guide in Tuscany for a while. I was working in Romania as a, a, a tour guide and interpreter for Elder Hospital. I speak Romanian. Um, I was in Norway doing env- environmental tours. Uh, I was leading um, uh, language immersion tours for teenagers in Spain. You know, so just, and I went to school in England. So I just kind of hopped around doing stuff. And I came back here because I ripped my finger off. It's it's back now, but <laughs> I'm fine now. But I ripped it off. For those listening at home, he just showed me. He does yeah. indeed. I think that's you, here. Feel the feel the. It's this one right here. See how there's no oh. separation between the 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 fingernail and the, yeah. the top part. It just kind of goes. It's because it ripped Maybe off. Maybe we'll knuckle. get a picture of that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> since we talked, I, I about was in it. a bike accident and I ripped off. And I um, it's a whole long story. But so I was like, well, I, I should go home and convalesce or whatever. So I did. Uh, but home at that point was still America. Mass. Yeah, I mean, I've been there. I've been there for ten years. My the entirety of my twenties was spent out of the country. Europe mostly. And I would still be there now had I not ripped my finger off. But so I came back here and I was like, well, uh, I might as well go to grad school because <laughs> I'm not in you know deep enough debt. <laughs> um, so I did, um, and then I had some two of my good friends moved out here. And they were like, Red Rover, Red Rover, come on over. So I did. Um, and here I am. When would this have been? What it was like years? 10 years ago. I'm 41. Oh. So this is the beginning of my 30s. Okay. So my 20s were abroad. My 30s have all been here for the, mo- for the most part. I have gone back a few times for like six months here and there. But yeah. Your friends moving here. Your friends were the ones kind of who drew you here. Yeah. And you know, I. everyone has their story of like the first time they saw San Francisco. I was, you know, it was nighttime driving across the bridge and just seeing the fucking skyline and you're like, my life is about to change. It's magic. I can just, you can smell it in the air. Turns out it was weed and piss, but whatever. Turns out it kind of still is. It is. <laughs> That's what I, we love about it, right? Yes. Um, so I just, I stayed here, um, you know, despite the crazy rents and whatever, because I love this place. Um, I don't know that I would want to live in a major city in America other than here. I mean, I was a tour guide here for a long time as well. And, you know, when people come here from Europe, that's their first thing is this is very, it's very much a European city. Yeah, it's something that's familiar about it. It's not like Houston or Chicago or Atlanta or Boston, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of freaks and weirdos. What are you not going to like about it? So, I, uh, I've been a teacher and a tour guide my entire life. I also, um, I have a degree in the theater. <laughs> which lends itself to being, you know, a tour guide and a teacher. Um, so they're kind of complementary skills. 
So, which is one of the reasons people ask me, I've studied 16 languages. I'm, you know, I speak six or seven, depending on how many beers I've had. Uh, I teach four or five, depending on the level. Um, but one of the things that we had to do in theater school was observe other people. So you have to impersonate their walk, their talk. So I'm really good at accents. It's, you know, it's, just, it's the same skill set. So uh, be, uh, I was like, well, I can go try my luck in L.A. or New York. And then I was like, I don't want to do that because they, I just, they're not my thing. Um, uh, so I just started teaching and, you know, I never thought I was going to be a teacher ever. Um, I thought I was going to be super famous, like on the stage or something. Um, and I started teaching and I was like, this is fucking awesome. I love teaching. Um, so I've been a high school teacher for a long time and would spend my summers like as, as a bicycle tour guide here, here in the city. So I know a lot about the city. Because um, I've been around it all, and I, you have to learn a lot about it, and I've taught history. Geography and history. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all that, you know. Um, kind of, so what I so what I essentially do now is I'm, I'm still a high school teacher. I work at uh, the Waldorf High School. I don't know if you know anything about Waldorf. It's kind of hippy-dippy. I mean, look at me. <laughs> when I tell people I'm a high school teacher, they're like, they let you around kids. I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, you can't see me, but I have a gigantic beard and hair, and I look ridiculous. So um, they will see you. <laughs> That's right, they will. No, Sorry, right. you will be seen. <laughs> um, but so, I just uh, kind of how this whole thing started. What I what I'm doing is, um, a woman came to me who owns a local restaurant, and uh, she said, you know, I I I have a lot of Spanish speakers, and I need to be able to communicate with them in a meaningful way. So. Um, she was a friend of yours, or how did no, you know she, her? No, someone had heard about me, because I, I had had a few private students um, on the side. Um, you know, uh, high school kids, some adults. Um, but she came to me with a very specific sort of need, um, and I was kind of really interested by that. And so uh, I said, yeah, so we I worked with her for a few months, and kind of at one point she said you know I'd really like to be able to uh, let my staff learn Spanish and I said well why because you know the last time I had worked in a kitchen was when I was 15 or 16 and I didn't realize and I've you know after doing this for a couple of few years now I I don't I don't understand how people don't know this <laughs> right because it's such a uh, ubiquitous sort of thing it doesn't really matter what type of ethnic food you're eating the hands that made it are brown hands they're Mexican, Guatemalan, El Salvadoran hands. Um, so, you know, it's the, our industry, our whole entire agricultural industry from picking the food and weeding the crops and cooking the food, it's all Latin Americans, Central Americans. And it's something that's, it's an invisible sort of thing that happens. So um, she said, I'd like to be able to communicate with them. And so I, I went in there and I went into the back of the kitchen and I, I was like, show me what you do. Show me around the kitchen. You know, yeah, because I, I, I can't really teach to a group if I don't know what their job is. Conte it's context. Context, too. you know. And it's whenever I take on a new student, I meet with them for an hour to figure out, um, you know, are you a hopeless case? <laughs> Can you be reached? <laughs> uh, but, you know, find out their background, their goals, their desires. Some people don't want to speak. They just, they're writing papers. Some people have married into a family. So, so with this kitchen group, I was just like, you know, tell me what's a typical day for you. Walk me through the kitchen, yada, yada. So show me how you do what you do. And so that gave me the tools to d design like a curriculum for them. So what I did was 
I did a split Spanish English curriculum. So I designed Spanish for the front of house, meaning like servers, wait staff, um, and then English for the back of house, um, line chefs and uh, dishwashers. Um, and we did a six week crash course, and it was wildly popular. And they were like, come back again. That would be awesome. We want to do like a fuller sort of thing. Was this at the same... You were teaching both groups at the same time together or... Uh, no, I was teaching in the same restaurant to the both groups. Same people, same group of... We, you know, we, we never... One of our goals was to have the two groups come together. Um, but it never really panned out just because the scheduling is really hard between bartenders and kitchen that was a workers. Nice, nice pun to panned out in oh, the kitchen. Yeah. The okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm here all day. <laughs> um, so no, I can see the pain. I can see like the, the complications of that. Yeah. I mean, the the, the, the it's figuring out everyone's schedules is hard. But enough. I am wondering, like you know, this cu- curriculum you designed was it designed specifically well around restaurants, but then also was it like tailored? To well, that restaurant, or uh, I mean, it was the first one I had worked in, so uh, yeah. Um, you know, I've uh, after having done this for a couple plus years. <laughs> um, you know, uh, each each different restaurant is its own beast. Right. Um, some of them are staffed by Mexicans. Some are by Hondurans. They have a different sort of Spanish. Right. Right. So that is going to affect somewhat the type of things that I'm teaching. So, for example, if I know that they're Mexicans, um, if you, to, sell, to, say someone, to say to someone, watch out, I'm right behind you, like I'm coming through with a hot plate or whatever, um, most places you would say, like, cuidado, like, con permiso, whatever. But Mexicans say, aguas, because back in the day, when they were throwing out their dirty dishwater over the balcony, they'd be like, look out below, aguas. And so that's a very... You know, it's a phrase that they use, so um, it's very con- contextual. Collo- colloquial. Colloquial, yeah. Um, and then eventually we got to a point where we realized uh, we could split into two. So I had a special class for the front of house and then one actually for the management because they have a different sort of skill set that need, they need. So they're doing the interviews, hiring and firing. Can you come in this week? When can you work? Did you take your break yet? Did you check in? Did you check out? So, you know, there's just the, the possibilities are endless for this sort of thing. Um, so they ended up referring me to someone else, and I'm, I ended up working with three different restaurants. Um, and I got to thinking, you know, I'd like to really uh, create, create a, an empire out of this, build bridges. You know, my big thing is fuck Trump and his ridiculous uh, monument to his tiny penis. I just, I have so much vitriol for that person i i i'm a build i'm a bridge builder and not a wall builder tear down the walls you know i just i don't under i don't i don't want to be that kind of human that is being obstructive to other humans paths whatever they are um i work with a lot of undocumented workers 90 percent, i would say and it's an open secret you know no one's gonna openly talk about it and i do and sometimes i wonder if i shouldn't but i'm going to you know i you drive through central valley and you see all these all these farms with uh trump stickers and I'm like, yeah, by the way, your entire workforce, they're undocumented workers. So how do you sleep at night? Right. Um, but so, yeah, you know, um, uh, I, I, I ended up hiring someone. Uh, he's from the Dominican Republic. His name is Anil. Uh, he's awesome and perfect in every way, shape, and form. He's also a teacher. Um, 
he's just a perfect fit. He lives in the East Bay. There, the food, the food scene in the East Bay is crazy, you know. And it's so he, it's it's going to be a really good opportunity for him to do what he does, does over there. Uh, I've had offers to go over there, but I'm busy. I work seven days a week. I don't have time to go over there. Um, and I, I I hired someone for LA as well. So you know, it's a it's a model that can be really easily replicated, and it's really interesting because. I've had several people close to me who I love and adore and admire say, you know, you really need to make sure that you, what's that word, like, uh, uh, put your, ink, you know, put your, your like make it a th- copyright like official, yeah. Po- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? There's a word. No, I don't care. If someone wants to take what I do and do it somewhere else, awesome. I mean, it's it, it, being a teacher. Your desire is to educate and help other people access education. Well, it's like you can't copyright giving a shit. Yeah, exactly. And wanting people to get along. Yeah. What am I going to do? Do you know? Some, yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm only one man. I can't. I mean, please take the idea and run with it. Tell your so friends. I'm sure. I'm sure people have tried. So, but I'm all over social media. It's it's Dino Rosso R O S S O. Um, companies lingo, Instagram, Facebook, yada yada. I have a website. People find me on there. Go to Yelp. Actually, I have a really good Yelp page. I have not paid my students to say nice things about me. <laughs> that you're willing to admit. That I'm willing to admit on camera. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it says a lot. I'm really, I'm really um, humbled and and by the comments that my students, my adult students, have uh, taken the time to write about me mm-hmm. on Yelp. You know, because I really, I want to be an empathetic uh, creature who helps other people help themselves. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's go to my Yelp page, uh, Dina Rosso Lingo. When you come here, you know, it's a unspoken thing, I think. A lot of people lament the demise of the old San Francisco, and I think legitimately a lot. I've only been here 10 years. I've seen enough change to know it probably was a lot different before. Um, but I think it still does retain a lot of its magic. I love the fog. There's nothing to me more depressingly hopeful than being wrapped in a fog blanket, knowing that everyone else is out in the sun across the bay, living their best life, you know? <laughs> and you're cold and shivering and happy about it. Yeah. You know? And you're just like, I just want to drink some beers in the fog and smoke some weed and you know it's awesome and yeah. i you just i think you can you can walk around this city and just meet a lot of characters you know you can do that in a lot of big cities this is a small place and you can the i think the ratio of weirdos to non weirdos is a lot higher than other places it's like the muppet show here you know like go to any bar like i mean look over here we got you know a gay softball team wearing glittery yeah easter bunny ears so <laughs> That's what I love about it, you know? Like, uh, I, when I go home, which is not very often, I went home a couple of summers ago, you know, and it's a small town. You don't have weirdos. I mean, maybe the neighbor down the streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not the good kind of weirdo. <laughs> but, you know. Duct tape windows. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Um, but so, for me, San Francisco is just, it's, it's, the, it's the topography, the geography, you know, the earthquakes. I was telling a friend of mine um, who's Italian. She's a linguist. She's brilliant. Uh, she lives in, in Como in Italy. Uh, she's like, why do you like, a, like it there? And I was like, 
the daily little earthquakes kind of bring me joy. I mean, I don't want the city to be destroyed by earthquake, obviously. But, you know, the specter of, like, a good jumble, it's kind of fun. Remember the one we had a few years ago, like the, the six-point whatever? The Napa one, the one that yeah. killed all the wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, killed all the wine. We yeah. felt it here. Yeah. I, f- I, I was in bed with someone who was not from here. And he was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I was like, just enjoy the ride. Hold on to the bed. Um, y- you know, so I, it's a combination of things. I think, yeah, sure, its edge has been dulled a little bit by, I'm not going to name names. But it's not going to stop us from being weird and awesome. And, you know, the fact that people are really opening their arms to what I do tells me a lot about the character of the city. People really want to engage and connect. They really do. Um, I haven't had to convince anyone. I, I, you know, I don't have to have an elevator speech. Like this is, and this is why you should choose lingo, lingo, lingo. Like, I, 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 I show up and people already know who I am, and they're like, no, 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 we're we're gonna hire you. How much? I'm like, oh, okay, I have, I have the bargaining tool here. So you know, the fact that people are so earnest and really want to connect with their workers and other human beings, it's it sells itself for me in this city. But so I guess my, my kind of summary would just be learn a language, save the world. That was Dino Medardo Rosso. Join us Thursday when Dino will share the story of how he grew lingo after his first success with the restaurant workers. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we do. Find the nearly 70 episodes on our website, storiedsf.com, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts and you have a minute to spare, please rate and review the show for us. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.